Hello, and welcome to GovConnect, where we sit down with local government innovation experts to bring you insightful stories and advice on technology, best practices, and the latest trends. And here's our host, Andrew Kirk. Hello, I'm Andrew Kirk, CitySource Chief Revenue Officer. And today I'm speaking with David Graham, Chief Innovation Officer with City of Carlsbad, California. David is the first CIO in San Diego County and one of the few throughout the state at the local level. Previously, he served as the Deputy Chief Operating Officer for Smart and Sustainable Communities at the City of San Diego, among other positions. As our listeners hopefully know, our goal with the GovConnect podcast is to speak with as many interesting and diverse Chief Innovation Officers, Chief Information Officers, and IT leaders in order to learn about their rapidly changing roles in local government. Today, David and I are speaking about the connected economy, the future of smart cities, local governments as a sandbox, and more. David, welcome to GovConnect. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you. As we had chatted before offline, CitySourced is an LA company, but I'm actually located here in San Diego. So I think this is the actually closest one that we've done, and yet we're still doing this remote. So I really appreciate you jumping in and being willing to chat about your work in local government. You know, technology connects us whether we're down the street or across the world. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's awesome. So let's jump right in and talk a little bit about you and your background. So it's a relatively new role you have there within the city of Carlsbad, but kind of take us through in a few minutes your professional background. Sure. Well, it's so funny that we're on a podcast, which is kind of the rebirth of radio, right? Because when I was in school, I uh, had an opportunity to either go intern for a mayor in the press office or to go intern for a radio station. And uh, it was a 50-50 choice at that point in time. And uh, lo and behold, I made, I think, what is the right choice, which got me into working in the public and private sector primarily in areas of land use, planning, energy, water, uh, sustainability. And uh, three mayors later, a stint in the private sector, and then as Deputy Chief Operating Officer uh, for Smart and Sustainable Communities, I have had the opportunity to really be involved in shaping cities and, more importantly, helping to shape city leaders. I think that one of the things that has become so exciting is that We're now thinking and talking about civic innovation, not just uh, by adopting solutions the private sector has proposed, but really embedding a culture of innovation inside of a city. And that's why I came here to the city of Carlsbad as their first chief innovation officer and the first for the region, because I really feel like cities in that 100 to 300,000, I call them one, two, three cities, have an opportunity to be nimble to deploy innovative solutions, but then also provide lessons for uh, other cities of like size and those that are larger. And that's how I landed here in the city of Carlsbad. So as you said, you are the first chief innovation officer, and this just happened. You were just named at least towards the end of last year. In your own words, you know, the one, two, three city, the city of Carlsbad has just over 100, 110 population. So what was the driving force internally for them to add this role And I guess, what did innovation look like before you began? Well, it turns out that cities are all facing similar challenges. Uh, So traffic concerns, sustainability concerns, 
digital transformation, moving our systems from analog to digital, going mobile and providing more services to people. And Carlsbad had done a, a good deal of this. It has one of the most advanced traffic signal systems um, in the country. It has put together a an app that can connect people directly with departments to solve problems like potholes. Uh, at the same time, deploying individual products and solutions ultimately requires a, a larger um, strategy and a more a comprehensive connect connection with the community, with industry. And Carlsbad is looking over the horizon at its future, wanting to serve uh, the community the best way possible and knew that it needed a individual position that would work cross-departmentally, but also bring in the community and industry to do co-create solving problems, uh, some of the most persnickety problems that are facing this city and others throughout the state and region. So I think a lot of cities at your size are looking at this as a new role, something they want to add. For you, when you were coming into this newly created position, what were some of the biggest initial challenges or maybe even learnings that you're able to take away in the first few months? <laughs> well, we constantly talk about silos and government. And there's that theory of silo busting where you're sort of shaking things up. In this CIO role, an interesting approach is looking at the silos, uh, understanding their, their value, and I would say creating windows, doors, and doormats between them. You know, government isn't always the most agile and doesn't always uh, adapt to change quickly. But if we can respect and understand the things that we have done and where we come from, um, really work to source ideas from inside the organization at all levels uh, of the government and create these connections between departments uh, so that instead of deploying a single solution, we're looking at how it can work across multiple departments in solving their problems. I think that is the direction that innovative governments are going. And I found a welcoming and warm culture here in Carlsbad, interested in, uh, in trying to do things perhaps differently, but also very steeped in its history. And I would say that this city is rooted in its history with an eye towards the future, which makes it a really exciting opportunity for me. So you said there were really five priorities that you wanted to do within Carlsbad. They included mobility, sustainability, government services, civic engagement, and a connected economy. Lots of great themes there. Interesting to me in my experience to date, you're one of the first CIOs to make the business community one of your specific areas of focus. Can you elaborate on your thinking and tell us a little bit about what that looks like in your vision? Well, the fact is that there's long been this distrust between government and industry, where government are the regulators and industry uh, sees government as stodgy and uh, without the ability to do things quickly and oftentimes um, efficiently or well. There's learning that needs to happen on both sides. And though some cities have taken an approach to startups, I think about the Startup in Residence program, which is fantastic, that Jay Nath is doing. It's more than just the startups. It also is about how you connect industries across the entire sectors. So, for example, 
Viasat, a global company here in Carlsbad, uh, is in the middle of deploying to now a million people internet using their satellites and to some of the most remote jungles, villages like Emiliano Zapato. Uh, that's the sort of communications technology that we could be using uh, here in Carlsbad to connect up in areas that it may be cost prohibitive to run fiber to. Uh, and how we can use and leverage the brilliant minds at a company like that to solve things in our city is really a, a, a impetus for why we should bring industry into and along with our problems in creating that sandbox where they can test and try things, whether it's you know a 5D robotics that has micro-location technology um, that could be used for autonomous vehicles, or, you know, a Thermo Fisher that's using precision health. In each of these ways, when we can create credible and trusting relationships with industry, we've set up the, a really leveraging the um, brilliant minds and opportunities inside of those companies uh, to come solve the problems that we have in our respective cities. So when you think about the connected economy, is it really just bringing solutions within the private sector inside of the city, or are you also focused from somewhat of an economic development sense of all companies within the city and the experience that they have in trying to grow their own business? So one of the things that companies oftentimes need are places to test and try things. And I think that ends up leading to new innovation and spurs the economic development opportunities in a city. But let's remember also that the number one resource companies are searching for is talent. And a city needs to be optimized to attract the talent that the companies will want and need to power the, the future, which ultimately ends up powering our economy. We have to create convenient cities, places where people want to live with a high quality of life in order to attract and retain the talent that will power the companies in our, not just in our uh, city, but in our entire region. And I think that is an additional impetus for why we do all of the areas of mobility and sustainability and government efficiency. It's to create that more convenient city, but also to create a attractive, livable place where the talent that powers the economy will want to live and work. So you brought up this idea, which I think I've heard you speak about previously, and it's this idea that local governments can serve as a great sandbox or testing bed for future innovation. And what's interesting is you've specifically said that this isn't just for cities and counties that are in rebuilding mode, but even for thriving cities like those in our region here in Southern California. However, there's been some unintended consequences with these government experiments. So it sounds like you still believe strongly in the sandbox model, but has your thinking changed and evolved over the last few years as you see these increasingly become more popular? It will always evolve. And the sandbox in the early stages was come and let's test and try and pilot just about anything. And I still believe in that. The problem really has been uh, vetting and knowing who the real players are that have things that are worthwhile to test and try and who the sort of fly-by-night folks are. And I think as cities mature in their thinking around how and when to pilot, 
we're beginning to look and think more of piloting to procurement. So the sandbox is still a place to test and try things. But if we're looking for real solutions that will impact the lives of people, then we want to understand that we will ultimately be uh, procuring a solution, let's say, around um, digital kiosks, for example, right? Uh, Seem to be a cool and interesting idea. Um, but knowing ahead of time that you are going to need uh, digital wayfinding and signage and that uh, additional Wi-Fi hotspots connected to that is something that the community wants and needs and that you're working with a vendor that will be able to scale to the size that you want and need rather than just a demonstration single pilot kiosk where people are like, well, that's novel, but what's the real impact? Having a larger strategy where piloting is a piece of testing and trying on your way towards an ultimate procurement uh, ends up leading to uh, better and more quality uh, deployments, uh, solutions that can solve more problems, and ultimately a more satisfying experience both for the vendor and for the city. Speaking of procurement and that both opportunity challenge, also certainly protection for government and how they procure the right solutions that are going to be there, but then still allowing you and the vendor to move quickly and nimble and come up with a project that you can start small, learn, and then scale up. Any key learnings or advice you have from your experience to make that part of the project, the procurement to a pilot as smooth and seamless for everybody involved? Analyze your department's budget first and foremost. Where are you spending uh, the bulk of your funding, especially from an operations and maintenance standpoint? That's a crucial piece of especially intelligent infrastructure deployments. You know, we take something like a, a streetlight that traditionally was on and off and had pretty inexpensive energy. And you add sensors to that and fiber connectivity and data streaming off of it. The O&M goes up significantly on something like that, and your departments and their budgets need to be prepared for that additional operations and, and maintenance dollars. Number two, with a lot of the new technologies that we're seeing, your horizon of life and your end of life is a lot shorter than we're used to. We're used to building buildings and installing infrastructure for 10, 20, 30 years, well, now we're looking at solutions that probably are going to turn over in the three to five year horizon. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but you need to set the expectations both in the department, in the community, and with your elected leaders that that is going to be turned over a lot quicker. And finally, uh, the interoperability open source approach and knowing that um, you're moving away from a proprietary system into something that uh, if you do replace with a different vendor's software or hardware, that it'll still be able to talk to each other. Those are all crucial elements of making sure that you're not just buying the golden goose one time, but you're actually uh, breeding an entire flock. Something I think you've hit on a little bit here is IoT devices, infrastructure. All of these are really facets of something I think you're a big fan of, and correct me, if I'm wrong, but it's this idea of the term smart cities. I've also heard increasingly lately that there's others that feel like this term's almost been hijacked, you know, so to speak, thanks to vendors like us, not that CitySource has done that, but that we've taken over this idea of smart cities and it's almost lost 
a lot of its meaning. So what does smart cities specifically mean to you? Well, I don't think smart cities has become the pet rock of our generation just yet. (laughs) And it it decidedly is not a fad. Uh, I will tell you that I've become more of a fan of the term connected communities because I think it speaks to a more inclusive approach uh, to creating the um, platforms, the utilization of data, but also the human approach to problem solving that uh, is crucial to making our cities work and to serving um, the businesses and residences in our communities. And so smart cities will continue to be a label and a thing. But because it's so incredibly broad, it becomes difficult to define. And so I think of a smart city as being one that uses data and technology to improve decision making and people's lives. I see a connected community as being smart, but also taking an approach to uh, collaborative problem solving with our industries and with our communities with a real eye towards compassion and inclusion, finding the people and places and areas that have long been left out and connecting them to this grander civic culture um, that on our side as government, uh, we commit to be responsive and deliver services for all. And on the side of the community and business to be invested in helping create and, and make our communities better. Great. I love that thinking about connecting. And I think it's more than just technology. It helps to reinforce some of the people and human element aspect of how technology can drive and make communities better. So you've talked a lot about the opportunity, the ways that technology can help citizens and business, but certainly it's not all just roses. There's got to be some challenge. So what do you see as the biggest challenge facing chief innovation officers today? Well, number one is digital transformation. The legacy systems that we have in IT, the one-off deployments the departments have done around IoT, the, um, the lack of interconnection and communication between many of these systems, all are challenges for a chief innovation officer. Look, we don't walk in the door with a blank slate. And in fact, we, we, we walk into the restaurant as the new executive chef and you already have menus written, you have staff that are working, you have patrons that are being served, and you're supposed to figure out how to make all of this work and work differently and more efficiently and better. Um, and so I think, uh, if there are any major takeaways, both from industry and for our, our civic leaders, It's that major investment in IT is absolutely crucial to be able to set up the platform that you need to do the really uh, groundbreaking things that are necessary to serve the public. And if that's not happening, sure, we can do a one-off pilot here or there, but you're ultimately not going to have the sort of impact. And this is not easy to think about because... Sure, it's great to be at a ribbon cutting for a new transit line or for a new park. Those are outward facing things. But collectively, as government and the public, we need to recognize that the digital platforms to power 
the solutions of the future that people are demanding requires a lot of investment on the front end um, inside of things that you you would never know occurred. And just think about what it takes to power the simple app on your phone for Lyft or for Amazon or for your banking, right? The, the digital uh, behind the scenes work that is happening and technology that makes that simple, easy, I send a payment or I get a ride happen, we, we take for granted. And if we want government to be at that same level of quality of experience, we have to be willing to invest taxpayer dollars in, the, in that back end that is going to make all of those things work. Great, David, let's get started and shift over to what we call our rapid three questions. So one, City Source is all about the power that local governments can have in delivering more services via the smartphone. What type of phone do you use and what's your favorite personal mobile app? I am a Samsung Galaxy Note 9 fan. I love the stylus. Some people think it's superfluous. I need my stylus. So I'm a big fan of that. And my favorite app, that's a really, you know what? It's, it's actually WhatsApp. And isn't it fascinating that this communications app um, that when I'm global, I can connect with folks so easy has now exceeded active users of Facebook, which bought it. I mean, that if that doesn't speak to the sort of connected community, I don't know what does. And who are you chatting with? Is it your friends, your colleagues around the world? What are you using it predominantly for in terms of messaging? So there's a group on there of CIOs. I have a group with uh, Dr. David Ricketts from Harvard Tech. Um, it is it is work, but it's also personal. I was just in Dublin and had friends I hadn't seen in 10 years. We WhatsApp all the time. That's how we stay connected. So personal, business, it's all in that one simple, easy place. Two, what's one book you most recommend or give away to others? There's a number of them, um, so that's tough. Uh, I will say one that was interesting that I like uh, that a buddy Greg Horowitz did is The Rainforest. I would highly suggest that. Um, it is a lot about the ecosystems that, that we are creating. Um, but then I can't uh, say enough about uh, my good friend Bruce Katz's Metropolitan Revolution. If you want to look at how government systems can and should shake up, I would recommend that one as well. Three, what's one tool, software, or even non-tech hack that you're using to improve your life? Oh, one non-tech hack that I'm using to improve my life. You know, there, there are so many of them uh, that it becomes a little difficult to figure out which one I would like the most. I will give you a non-tech hack that having moved, uh, well, having gone to a city now that is a little ways away from my uh, from where I live, and not being able to walk all the way to the uh, commuter rail, um, I'm now taking the bus again. So once in a while, the e-scooter, other times the bus. That is my life hack. As little single occupancy driving as I can do, that makes me happy. Well, that ends our episode for today. Thank you so much, David, for joining the podcast. Please let our listeners know where they can find out more information and connect with you online. Please hit me up on Twitter at, at David N. Graham. Uh, you can email me, david.gram, G-R-A-H-A-M, at carlsbadca.gov. 
uh, find me on WhatsApp or LinkedIn, or the uh, good old telephone will also work from time to time as well. Would love to hear from any of all of you and uh, really excited to see what we're going to continue doing towards the future. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that our listeners can find those links online at citysource.com and in our show notes. And for you, the listeners, if you want to learn more about how local governments are delivering more services to residents through our mobile app platform, please visit us at citysource.com. If you have any feedback about the show, I'd love to hear it. Shoot me an email, andrew at citysource.com or on Twitter at Andrew K. Kirk. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Please subscribe to GovConnect through your favorite podcast service and leave us a review. It really helps us to spread the word that GovConnect is the podcast for local government innovation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to GovConnect. Please make sure you subscribe. And don't forget, we need you to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best in local government innovation.